Hey, and welcome to the Crosspoint Podcast. Let's get into this week's message from Pastor Michael Tadlock, and may it bring healing, hope, and ultimately, transformation. Bibles and stand with me. Go with me to the book of Acts. We're going to waste no time. We're going to get right down to what the Lord has for us today. The book of Acts, chapter 19. Where you can physically stand, please stand today in reverence to the reading of God's Word. This morning we're trusting the Holy Spirit to come and to speak in the way only He can today. We're trusting Him, looking to Him, depending on Him. And so open your hearts up and let Him have His way inside of you today. We're going to read one verse in Acts chapter 19. My title may throw you for a second, but we're going to get where we're going. It may take us a little while to get there, but hang on with me. Acts chapter 19, verse number 2. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Can we read it one more time? He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. How many of you really want the Lord to touch you today? Be careful if you amen right here. Come on. Do you really want the Lord to touch you today? If you do, shout amen. Amen. How many of you would be all right with getting to lunch a little late today? Anybody okay with that? Not many. Not many. Let me ask it one more time. How many of you would be all right? Let me put it this way. If you get knocked out in the Holy Ghost and laying on this floor, would it be all right with you if it was 1.30, 2 o'clock before you got to eat you some lunch? If you say, that's me, shout amen. Ah, how many of you want the Holy Ghost to grab a hold of you today and shake you every which way but loose? Come on, amen. We had that kind of time around here last week. Had folks shouting all over the place in here last week. I believe the Holy Ghost wants to move. He's burdened my heart for this message this morning. I want to come to you on this title. It's really, it's a, it is, it, there's, it's a deep thought, but it's more of a, um, I don't even know if I can call it a title, but it's the heading. We'll put it that way. 312. Azusa Street, 312 Azusa Street. Let's talk about it this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for this moment you've given us to join in together, to worship you. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We already feel you in this place. Standing on this gym floor, Lord, we've sensed your presence. And we thank you, Lord, for your promise. You said where two or three are gathered in your name, you're right there in the middle of them, and we thank you for that because we know you're here. God, I know that there's so many that have come with needs in their lives. So many are in such difficult times and circumstances. Some are facing the darkest of the valley of shadow of death, but today, Lord, I'm confident that your word today will, will pierce. It will minister. It will resonate within hearts today. Lord, we're standing on the promises of your word. You said that your word would not go forth and return void, but it would prosper in that thing, Lord, that where it's sent, it would be pleasing unto you. And so I ask you for that even now. I pray you'll clothe me with an anointing of your spirit, Lord. Clothe me even now with the Pentecostal fire, Lord. I pray that you'll open ears to hear, hearts to receive. Lord, let us walk out of here changed. Let us walk out of here with an overflow in our lives. I pray that you'll give me the strength to do that that you've placed upon my heart. Have your way in this place. 
Let your angels stand guard and keep us through this moment. And Lord, we'll give you praise for it and glory for all that is accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Before you're seated, tell somebody it's time you have an Azusa Street experience. Come on, amen. Three twelve Azusa Street. Can I tell you what it's really all about? It's really all about a, a passionate hunger for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I want to say to you this morning that there has never been any greater of a need for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost than today, December thirteenth, two thousand twenty-two. If you believe that, say Amen. Now, let me say to you today that being present in a Pentecostal church or attending a Pentecostal church doesn't make you Pentecostal any more than standing in a garage makes you an automobile. Can I get an amen? amen. Reality today is that God wants to pour His Spirit out upon us as individuals, upon us as a church. The message of the need for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, to be honest with you, it has been lost in the church today. It's been replaced in many of the pulpits of America with a greasy grace, a sloppy agape, a seeker-friendly, feel-good message to attract the crowds. Because we don't want to stir things up. They've quit preaching on the blood and they've quit preaching on the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Churches are more concerned about the numbers and the nickels than they are a genuine move of God. I believe today that America is filled with dead preachers, dead Christians, and as a result, dead churches. You ain't got to amen that today, but I'm going to say it one more time because the truth is the truth, and the truth is always the truth, and the truth will make you free. Amen. America's filled with dead preachers in the pulpit, dead Christians in the pew, and as a result, a lot of dead churches. Religious, formal, ritualistic, D-E-A-double-D, dead. But see, I believe that this Jesus that we've been singing about up here this Jesus that we say we're speaking his name, this Jesus Christ, I believe that he, this, this one that is the giver of abundant life, I believe that he wants to send revival to his people. I'm not talking about a revival of an emotional experience. Because can I just be real honest with you? When the Holy Ghost moves on me, I get emotional. But there's a lot of times in churches, especially in this day and time, that folks get emotional and the Holy Ghost isn't even there. But how do you know, preacher? Because when the Holy Ghost shows up, people change. Things happen. And when somebody gets emotional, they can cry it out in a conscience clearing but still live like the devil on a Monday. But when the Holy Ghost falls in somebody's life, he draws them to a place of surrender and repentance and they cry it out and they're transformed by the power and by the blood of Jesus. And the next day, the devil may tell them that wasn't real, but their mind is made up, I'm going to serve the Lord. That's the kind 
kind of Holy Ghost revival I'm talking about today. One of the most prophetical verses in your Bible is Acts chapter 19 and verse 2 where certain disciples declared unto the apostle Paul, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. I want you to know today this is the condition of many Christians. This is the condition of many churches they haven't heard. And I openly want to ask for your forgiveness today if I have not made this emphasis as strong as I should because I am a Pentecostal believer. I am a Pentecostal preacher. I am a Pentecostal husband. I'm a Pentecostal dad. Not because I attend a Pentecostal church or because I pastor a Pentecostal church, but because after I went to Calvary and got saved, I made a trip by the upper room and had a Pentecostal Holy Ghost experience and got baptized in the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. And ever since that day in March of 1989, at times when I didn't know what else to do, when I didn't know what else to pray, the Holy Ghost would swell up inside of me and I begin to speak in another language and I'd step into a new dimension in the spirit and I'd gain the victory. I'd get my joy back. I'd get my peace back. I'd have a Pentecostal experience again. I know today some of you may be looking at as the old saying says, you may be looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate, like a teenager looking at a chore list. But let me say to you today, I've got to preach the truth to you this morning. Amen? Because I believe I, I, I believe the words, and I want you to go with me to Joel chapter 2. I believe what the prophet said, and I want us to jump in it this morning because he said this, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit. Joel 2 verse 28. He said, I, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see oh I feel your Holy Ghost your young men shall see visions and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit I just wonder is there anybody in this place today that is hungry for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in your life I'm not talking about a dab of do ya I'm talking about is there any Anybody that I say I've come up in here this morning because I'm thirsty and I'm hungry for an outpouring. Oh, I'm hungry for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Some of you just need to tell the truth because you ain't worshipped a minute since you've been here this morning. I've asked the Lord to help me preach in love today, but be as bold as a lion. So you need to grab hold and hang on. My desire is not to offend anybody. My desire is just to preach the truth to you. So sometimes the truth hurts, but you need to hear me and know that I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to where he wants us to be. Our story starts in Joel chapter 2, but I want you to jump with me to the book of Acts chapter 1. Stay with me now. Acts chapter 1, I want you to see what Jesus spoke unto the disciples before he ascended into the clouds. 50, 40 days after his resurrection, he speaks these words in verse 4 of Acts chapter 1. Being assembled together with him, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. 
For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his power, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus told them to tarry until they received the promise of the Father, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the comforter that he had spoken about in John chapter 14. In verse 1 of chapter 2 of the book of Acts, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How many of you are thankful today that when Jesus left he said I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. When he ascended into heaven he said I'm going to send the comforter. Those disciples 120 strong tearing in an upper room for 10 days and spent a season of prayer praying and seeking for this comforter that the Lord said would come. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know how things were going to take place. As far as I know there was no place there that they received instructions saying it's going to happen like this. All they knew is that they were to tarry until the Holy Ghost came. The reason many folks haven't experienced their Pentecost is because they have not tarried until the Holy Ghost has showed up. We're living in this instant society. We want everything now. We want everything quick. And the reality is this. Sometimes you got to learn how to tarry in your prayer closet until heaven opens up and God's glory floods your soul. If you're thankful for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, would you give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise that let him know today, Lord, thank you that you sent the Holy Ghost. I want us to fast forward now from the day of Pentecost to the year 1896. You see, 1896 in a place called Camp Creek, North Carolina, we find a preacher by the name of R.G. Sperling, and he led a movement, a movement of prayer and sanctification. He led this movement during this time frame, and this time was actually called the Shearer Schoolhouse Revival. I want to read to you a little bit this morning about this, so stay with me. This time frame of revival, this, it was highly focused on prayer, and it led to a 10-day ten ten revival that was conducted in the summer of, of 1896 by four lay evangelists. These revival services were held in the Shearer Schoolhouse in Camp Creek, North Carolina. People came to this revival from many parts of the mountains. The first slide should be a schoolhouse. There you go. One, one participant said this, almost from the start of the meeting, the altars were filled with repentant sinners and seekers for the experience of sanctification. Many skeptics of holiness were convinced 
and many more rough living sinners were converted. When the scheduled revival services concluded, the spirit of revival continued. All of the heightened focus on God to move in the mountains continued to inspire and move people to believe for even greater things from God. Now, I want you to understand today, and, and even here it says that people often met in homes, under brush arbors, or in the schoolhouse as they didn't yet have a building in which to worship. thought that was kind of interesting. Prominent locations involved with the revival was the major city of Chattanooga. News of the Holy Spirit's outpouring began to spread to adjoining counties and the people came to witness the phenomenon of spirit-filled believers speaking in unknown languages. Many sick persons were healed and hundreds of hard sinners were converted. It was a Pentecostal awakening, a reoccurrence of what happened on the day of Pentecost. Even though this was a very sparsely populated area in the mountains, more than 100 persons received the baptism with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues, and this was an important event that prepared the way for the universal outpouring that followed 10 years later during the 1906 Azusa Street Revival. But next we moved to 1901 in Topeka, Kansas. This was a revival that began at a place called Bethel Bible College. It was here at this Bible college. In the evening it was stated that there was a spirit of prayer that came upon them. They had been praying for days because their, their leader told them, to begin to search scripture and to find what they felt to be the evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And after a number of days, they came to the conclusion that they felt like the initial evidence was speaking in tongues. And this evening of 1901, around 11 o'clock p.m. on New Year's Eve, one of the students, Agnes Osman, age 30, felt led to ask for hands to be laid on her that she might receive the Holy Ghost. And as the students did this, the Holy Spirit fell, and upon her, she began to speak in tongues. Whew. Witnessing this, the other students had their hunger for more of God enhanced. And on January 3rd, when some of the students gathered for prayer, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon others. And as they began speaking in tongues, there was also the interpretation that followed. Then a remarkable thing happened that none of them anticipated. With a simultaneous movement, we began to sing together. Each one singing in his own new language, but all in perfect harmony. It would be impossible to describe the hallowed glory of his presence in the midst. In less than a year, the Bethel Bible College came to an end and the students spread out, carrying the message of Pentecost all across the nation. As they would arrive in other locations, many were saved, the sick healed, and believers received the baptism with the accompanying speaking in tongues. And by the fall of 1905, after conducting successful ministry in Missouri and Kansas, the, the leader himself, Charles Parham, eventually arrived in Houston, Texas, where he set up his headquarters. Now before we jump to the next place in America, I want to hit one in the middle. Because in 1904 we find that there was another revival called the Welsh Revival that began in a place called Wales on the island of Great Britain. 
The preacher that was there, his name was Evan Roberts. He was an evangelist, a young evangelist. And it was the awakening that came for a personal relationship to Christ by God's grace. And it would touch the hearts of many around the world, including those in America. His message was, put away any doubtful habit. Obey the Holy Spirit and confess Christ openly. And he prayed the prayer that changed his life forever. Bend me, Lord. It was in humility. We find that something happened from this Welsh revival. There was a pastor. I don't recall his name, but he was the pastor of First Baptist Church in Los Angeles, California. This pastor made a trip to Israel somewhere in the, the, the year of 1905. He made a trip to Israel, and after he left from there, he wanted to make a detour over so he could go and have some type of impression of this Welsh revival. And when he came back from there, he was so impressed on the inside that he began to preach about Pentecost. And the Holy Ghost began to move up until it, it was getting so stirred that he was removed from the pastorate. But not before the Holy Spirit began to prepare hearts of those within Los Angeles for what would come in 1906. You see, in 1906, we find that there was a man by the name of William Seymour. William J. Seymour was actually a black preacher. And this black preacher, he actually was a student of Charles Parham in Topeka, Kansas. The sad part about this story is they would not allow William Seymour to come into the classes. But he was so hungry for God that he sat outside the door. And he would listen through the door and would be taught this message of Pentecost. As he was listening to Charles Parham preach about Pentecost and, and he was listening to the prayers that was going on. He then begins this journey to Los Angeles and we find as the story begins, the Holy Ghost begins to move and he gains this small group of followers and this small group eventually relocated to the home of Richard, stay with me now, of Richard and Ruth Asbury at 216 North Bonnie Bray Street. Listen to me. White families from local holiness churches begin to attend as well. The group would get together regularly and pray to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. On April 9th, 1906, after five weeks of Seymour's preaching and prayer and three days into an intended fast, Edward S. Lee spoke in tongues for the first time. After three days fasting and praying. <laughs> At the next meeting, Seymour shared Lee's testimony and preached a sermon on Acts 2 and 4. And soon, six others began to speak in tongues as they were baptized in the Holy Ghost, including Jenny Moore, who would later become Seymour's wife. A few days later, on April 12th, Seymour himself, for the first time, was baptized in the Holy Spirit after praying all night long and began to speak in other tongues. Listen to me now. News of the events at this house that you see here 
News of the events quickly began to circulate up amongst the African American and the Latinos and the white residents of the city. And for several nights, they would gather. For several nights, they would gather in, and, and, they, and they ended up in, in, in the, on this porch at Bonnie Bray. And, and it actually, the, there were so many of them there seeking the Holy Spirit that the front porch collapsed. None of them were hurt, but they realized we got to have a bigger place. And so what happened then, and, and, and let, let me read this one little thing about Bonnie Bray. They shouted three days and three nights. They were shouting on the front porch. The people came from everywhere. And by the next morning, there was no way of getting near the house. As people came in, they would fall under God's power. The whole city was stirred. They shouted until the foundation of the house gave way, but no one was hurt. Listen, the group from Bonnie Bray Street eventually discovered in an available building at 312 Azusa Street, downtown Los Angeles, which had originally been constructed as an African Methodist Episcopal church in an impoverished part of town. The rent, listen, the rent was $8 a month. A newspaper referred to the downtown Los Angeles building as a tumble-down shack. When I read all this, it really encouraged me. <laughs> Since the church had moved out, the building had served as a wholesale house, a warehouse, a lumber yard, stockyards, a tombstone shop, and had most recently been used as a stable with rooms for rent upstairs. It was a, listen, it was a small rectangular flat roof building approximately 60 feet long and 40 feet wide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the weathered whitewashed clapboards covered the outside. The only sign that it had ever been a house of God was a single Gothic-style window over the main entrance. You see... The discarded lumber and plaster littered the large barn-like room on the ground floor. Nonetheless, listen, it was secured and cleaned in preparation for services. They held their first meeting on April 14, 1906. Churches were held on the first floor where the benches were placed in a rectangular pattern. Some of the benches were simply planks on top of empty nail kegs. There was no elevated platform as the ceiling was only eight foot high. Initially, there was no pulpit, but Frank Bartleman, an early participant in the revival, recalled that Brother Seymour generally sat behind two empty shoe boxes, not like shoe boxes like we have, but, but bigger boxes that would shoot, ship multiple shoes. He sat behind two empty shoe boxes, one on top of the other. He usually kept his head inside the top one during the meeting in prayer. There was no pride there in that old building with its low rafters and bare floors. The second floor at the now named Apostolic Faith Mission housed an office and rooms for several residents including Seymour and his wife Jenny. It also had a large prayer room to handle the overflow from the altar services below the prayer room was furnished with chairs and benches made from California redwood planks laid end to end. They sat on backless chairs. By mid-May 1906, anywhere from three, listen, 300 to 1,500 people would attempt to fit into that building. 
Somebody say, have mercy. We can talk, I ain't heard nothing about bathrooms, have you? That 300 to 1,500 people attempted to fit into the building, and since horses had very recently been the residents of the building, flies constantly bothered the attendees. People from a diversity of backgrounds came together to worship men, women, children, black, white, Asian, Native American, immigrant, rich, poor, illiterate, and educated. People of all ages flocked to Los Angeles with skepticism and a desire to participate. The results of this great revival, thousands were saved. Thousands of Christians were revived. Many were healed. Pentecostalism spread throughout the world, taking root in not less than 50 nations. Pentecostal and charismatic denominations trace their roots to Azusa Street. There are more than 500 million Pentecostals and charismatic believers, and they are the fastest growing form of Christianity today. Now, I shared all of that with you this morning because I want you to understand that this is who we are. We are a Pentecostal church. Can I say it again? We are a Pentecostal church. And having said that, I know that this is not for everybody. Not everybody wants to be in a place where Pentecost is real, where the Holy Ghost is moving in this way and people are being baptized and speaking in other tongues where somebody might tear out and go to shouting and scare somebody to death, where somebody might fall out in the Spirit and be slain in the Spirit for an hour or two. Not everybody wants that kind of thing. I understand that and all I can say to that is to each his own. But as for me and my family, and I believe a lot more of you in here, I believe there must be a declaration from our souls that said, Lord, if you did it at the Shearer Schoolhouse, if you did it in Topeka, Kansas, if you did it at the Welsh Revival, and if you did it at 312 Azusa Street, would you do it right here in Cross Point Church in Ponce de Leon, Florida? Would you let there be a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this place. Hallelujah. The songs of Azusa, they would sing a song entitled, The Comforter Has Come. Blessed assurance, deeper yet I pray, where Jesus is Tis heavenly. I, I didn't find any of this. I had to watch a video and make notes from a couple of survivors back in the 70s. It was poor quality, but I, it, it gave a lot of information. And they just begin to talk about it. They sang, oh, how I love Jesus. Never will I forget the day. I got to wondering, is that I never shall forget the day? But I, I believe it's an altogether different song. Then they, they sang, when I see the blood. They had another one they sang called, under the blood, the precious blood and I listened to that little lady say that we sang that they had a parrot for some reason. I don't know if the parrot was in the church or if it was her parrot at the house but she said they sang under the blood the precious blood so much that the parrot would say under the blood the precious blood. How many of you want a Holy Ghost moving in your life and in your home that even your animals know something is going on? Come on! 
I know there's been other modern day revivals in our lifetime. I know that there's been revivals that have taken place and even in our area the Brownsville revival that hit in 1994 and many, many lives were touched around the world from that and the reality is this, that, that I, I believe that, that as we look at these revivals, the one, the one reoccurring thing that I've seen is that a lot of them, it's like the, I don't know, I, don't, I haven't been able to put my finger on exactly why things happened like they did because there was this great explosion of Holy Ghost power and millions of lives were touched but then when it's all said and done it's like the church itself has not it, it was left to, to just barely survive somewhere in the midst of it the enemy got into it and began to want to fight it and to stop it and so I believe that anytime we ask for a move of God we have to understand in our personal lives that it also comes within the enemy wanting to bring an attack and to hinder us from stepping in to what God has for us. But can I say this to you? We know how the devil operates. We're not ignorant of Satan's devices and he's going to attack us regardless. So I say let's go after all God has for us. Let's let God the Holy Ghost show up in this place. Let him have his way. And if the enemy comes, if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put Put 10,000 to fly. Got to listening to the stories and reading the stories of Azusa. This preacher, William Seymour, just preached the gospel. There was a lot of times they would get together and he didn't get to preach an, an exact message because of the way the Holy Ghost was moving. But, and they never knew exactly what would happen in any given service. For three, over three years, seven days a week, three times a day, they were in revival meetings as the power of God was working. People would come into the services, and, and, and they didn't, it didn't say that they came up and asked for prayer. It just said that the Holy Spirit was so rich in the place, and people were so caught up in His presence that somebody would just blurt out. For example, one lady came in blind, and right in the middle of the service, she blurts out, I can see. I can see, can you imagine the pandemonium that would hit this place if that happened right up in here oh they just would blurt out I, I can see people would be healed people would come in and get saved and delivered and filled with the Holy Ghost I read one story about a man that came he, he was coming to the service but on the before he left the house him and his wife had had a little spat they had had an argument and so he leaves and is coming to the church to come to the revival and he gets to the door and he goes to reach for the door and gets knocked backwards. He gets up and goes to reach for the door again and gets knocked backwards again. So he decides I got to get a running start. So the third time he tears out and runs and gets knocked on his rear end again and the Holy Spirit told him you need to go home and make it right with your wife before you bust up in here. Can I tell I I just wonder how many folks might have been on their rear end out there before they got up in here today because the spats with the spouse. I know nobody wants to say amen, but how many of you know there might be some of you reason you can't get nothing in here when you come? It's because you... Because you're fighting at home. See, the message of Azusa was threefold. It was a message of salvation conversion unto Jesus Christ. 
It was a message of sanctification that Jesus has saved your soul. Now you need to get cleaned up. Now a lot of folks don't, don't agree with that. But the Bible tells us, and Paul spoke and said that you should know how to possess your vessel in sanctification. What's that mean? That means I kneel in an altar. I give my heart to Jesus. He forgives me. I, I'm renewed in the spirit of my mind. My heart is transformed. I don't want the things I used to want. I don't go the places that I used to go. But I do have to go home and throw some things away. I do have to delete some locations out of my GPS. Are you following me today? It's called sanctification. It means I may have to lay my tongue on the altar if there's cussing inside of me because I don't believe a true born again believer is going to want filth coming out of their mouth. I know nobody's amen in me, but we're talking about sanctification. That means I don't look at things I used to look at. I don't listen to things I used to listen to. I don't do the things I used to do. See, we ain't going to get to the baptism in the Holy Ghost till we recognize that we got to get cleaned up on the inside. Oh, the blood of Jesus washed away our sins but we've got to get sanctified see this is the holiness message that was rejected by many many people we're living in a day and an hour the preachers preach you can just do what you want to do live how you want to live and that's not this word this word this word clearly says the Lord said be you holy as I am holy he said be you holy in all manner of conversation Listen to me, believers. You can't, you can't expect the Lord to bless you when you're living like the world. I'm going to preach to these front row folks up here that say amen to me. You, you can't expect for the, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life if you're acting like the devil Monday through Saturday and then come up in here on Sunday. Oh, touch me, Jesus. What were you doing the other six days? Oh, help me, Lord. <laughs> Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he come and rain righteousness upon you. See, I believe sanctification is about sowing in righteousness. That means that we've made up our minds that I'm not going to be this chameleon Christian. That I just blend in wherever I'm at. I can, I, I, I can act like all my buddies when I'm with my buddies. I, I can do what everybody else is doing. There's got to be some kind of awakening in the church today. And listen. Listen, it means, I believe, from the pulpit to the pew. The reality is this. I've watched folks in the world get together, duke it out, hit each other in the nose, and later become the best of friends. But it's a sad shame when preachers that fill the pulpit are treating folks like dogs and then want to get up and, I'm going to say it anyways, and then want to get up and preach the word. We've got a greater obligation as... I don't know if y'all are ready for me. Can I just get it all out? Will y'all let me get it all out? Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. I'm going to preach the truth to you. I'm going to tell you something. I want to see this church be all God desires for it to be. I want to see it grow, Brother Shea, as big as God wants it to grow. 
But I don't want it to grow at the expense of us losing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? What I desire is a move of God in this place that when people walk through them doors, they feel God's presence. Walk through the doors where we're headed. They feel God. Pull, pull up on the grounds. They feel God's presence. Drive by it. They feel God's presence. Not because of the name over the door, but because there are a people that are hungry for the move of God. And we're not just living it on Sunday. We're living it on Monday and on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Friday nights and Saturday and Saturday nights and come Sunday morning we ain't got to run to the altar and ask for forgiveness for what we did the night before we're trying to live holy before a holy God we ain't coming in here half asleep because we stayed out partying all night we come up in here ready to worship the Lord we don't come in here and grab our chair half stoned out of our head smelling like a skunk because we can know we come up in here with a passion in our soul because we want more of God in our hearts and in our lives. If you are saying you want more of God and you hadn't prayed all week long, you're telling a story. If you're saying you want more of God and you ain't read your Bible all week long, you're telling a story. Pastor, are you saying I'm lying? No, I said you're telling a story. You can take it however you want to tell it. I take it. I, I guess that is the reality. Because this is the thing. Oh. See, I'm asking the Lord to stir up some folks that will be hungry for a move of His Spirit. Stir up some folks where we're just hungry for a move of the Holy Ghost. That the moment we walk in this place, we ain't got to be pumped, we ain't got to be primed. No, we're ready to worship the Lord. It's sad that it takes some folks to get to the third song before they're ready to lift their hands and worship. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Can I just be honest with you? Your pastor's tired. Let me tell you what I'm tired of. I'm tired of begging people to come to church. I'm just being honest with you. I'm ready for something to happen in this place in a move of God that people dare not miss a service because they don't want to miss what God the Holy Ghost is going to do. The preacher might get to preach. The preacher might not get to preach. But all I know is when we get together that we are saved and sanctified. We have been water baptized and we're ready to be Holy Ghost baptized. We're coming together hungry for God to move. I've been having conversations with the Lord about 2023. And I've been, me and him been talking about it. The 2023, I may be having a pastor different because I wear myself out just trying to check on people because I love them. And there's a difference in pastoring people and loving on people when they're in their times of need and crisis and those things and having to literally just beg, 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 beg people to come to church. The reality is this. If I have to beg you to come, I'll have to beg you to stay. And there, my, my father-in-law told me years ago, if it takes a hamburger to get them, it'll take a steak to keep them. All I'm saying to you is this. This is where we're going. 
We're headed into revival. We are headed into a movement of the Holy Ghost. We're headed into a place there's going to be souls saved, lives changed. People are going to be set free and delivered from addictions of alcohol and drugs, uh, delivered from homosexuality, delivered from... We're headed into a place of a move of God. I'm just looking for some folks that'll say, Preacher, you ain't got to beg me to be here. I'm in and I'm all in. Let's storm this place for the glory of God. believe in letting folks know that you miss them. I'm not talking about that. And I understand that when you're sick, you can't be here. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about when you have to work. I'm not talking about when legitimate things come up, but I am talking about when little Johnny gets the sniffles and the whole family has to stay home to wipe his nose. It used to be that mama would stay home and take care of the baby and daddy made sure the rest of the youngins got the church. Why? Because you don't want them to miss what God is going to do in the place. COVID has messed us up. COVID birthed a live stream church mentality and how many of you would say right now that live stream is not the same I just want to know who will agree with me live stream is not the same and it will never be the same not that the Holy Ghost can't move through it but the reality is we've got to come together and the word says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together those people at Azusa Street nobody begged them nobody texted them emailed them nobody sent them a letter or a postcard. They just knew I'm going because I need God to move in my life. I need a move of God. If some would be honest with themselves today, they would. If some would be honest with themselves today, they would confess that they're spiritually dry, maybe even dead. I'm not talking about in sin. But I'm talking about there's no life. There's no life. Listen to me. Some say this, Pastor, I need you to preach a message about what I'm going through. I'm preaching a message right now about what you're going through. I need you to deal with trials and troubles and tribulations. I'm preaching a message right now to deal with trials and troubles and tribulations in your life. Preacher, I need you to preach a message on joy. I ain't never had anybody tell me how to preach. and Nobody here has. I'm just saying what I imagine some folks' thoughts have been through the years. I need you to preach something, preacher, to make me happy. Preach something to make me happy. I'm preaching something right now to make you happy. Because there's never been a time in my life that when I needed joy, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, I got the joy that I needed. When I needed peace and the Holy Ghost was poured out, His peace filled my soul. When I needed victory, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, victory came to my life. When we were struggling, fussing, and fighting as husband and wife. When the Holy Ghost fell, he mended it all. But are you hearing me? The outpouring of the Holy Ghost is what we've got to have. It's what we've got to have. Which one do I use? 
Ain't nothing but the devil. I'll be honest with you, I looked around over here during worship, and I saw some of you standing just like this. I want to ask you something. Why are you here? Why? Preacher, you're being mean. No, I'm just trying to to help the Lord as a vessel in his hand bring an awakening to some folks because I just wonder why are you here? Because some people, all it is about is checking a box. Boop, boop. Went to church. I'm a good person. Gave my tithe. I'm good. I can brag to everybody. I'm a churchgoer. Why are you here? If you didn't come because you're hungry for God, why are you here? Because I'm going to tell you something. This, this, this ministry, this church, we're not here just to, to, to be a social gathering. We're not here to be a big club. We're here to be a movement, a place where the Holy Ghost is poured out and we go out and are used of him to touch others' lives. Preacher, you trying to run people off? I pray to the good Lord I don't run anybody off unless it's who he wants to run off, and I don't know of anybody that he wants to run off. I'm just trying to preach what he gives me. Are we sure? Listen to me. Some of you were raised in Pentecost all your life. Some of you have stories about what you experienced in Pentecost or what you saw as a child and all of that. And my question for you is, what are you going to do with that? Because I'm going to tell you, the old timers with the PhDs, the Pentecostal hairdos, you know, that would go to shouting and Bobby pins would be flying everywhere. You know, their hair would end up down at the end of service. You never knew how they looked really with their, until at the end of service when they shouted under the power of God. All of those have gone on to be with the Lord. Thank God for the elderly that we still have. But those that are of that generation that were born in the 20s and 30s or earlier than that, uh, back in, in the early 1900s, they've gone on to be with the Lord. And friend, those are the ones that experience such powerful Pentecost this Sounds awful. for me. If it was good for my daddy, it's good enough for me. If it was good for my granny and my grandpa, it's good enough for me. Preacher, I ain't never been in Pentecost before. This is all new to me. Good. Because what I've come to find is a lot of those that have been in it all their life, they get used to the fire. They get used to the heat. My grandmother Tadlock, she never had air conditioner. 
she had box fans that she put in her windows. And she'd sit, in the heat of the day, she'd go sit on her front porch with her funeral home fan, didn't she, Mama? She'd sit out there in that chair, and she'd just rock, you know, with that funeral home fan. She was born in 1906. My granddaddy was born in 1897. Oh, the year of Azusa Street, my grandmother was. I thought about her a lot through this. But she sat out there with that fan, that funeral home fan. We'd go to visit her, and we'd burn slap up. I mean, we'd be sweated down. Not too long there, but not her. Uh-uh, she was used to the heat. She was fine. She could fan. She'd turn on that box fan. I remember spending the night at, at her house with her, and she didn't have switches on the wall. There was a string attached to the back head headstand that's at our house now, that headstand, and it went up to the light. And to turn the light off at night, you just reached there and boop, pulled the string. I know this is really over some of your heads. You're like, what? No light switches? Especially you youngins right up here. But the reality is this. She was used to the heat. I shared all that to say this, that there's far too many folks that have been raised in Pentecost that have gotten used to the heat. In other words, that you've just gotten used to the church services and you've gotten used to it. And you can sit back, man, all kind of stuff be happening and you not get in, you not get involved, you not let the Lord do in you what He used to do in you because you've gotten used to it. Kind of like Uzzah at the house of Abinadab. He was used to seeing the ark in the living room and when it came time to move the ark and the oxen stumbled. He reached out and he touched it with his hand and he was struck dead in a moment. Listen to me church and let me say it to you as clear as I can. We cannot afford to miss a move of God. We cannot afford to sit back and just hope that we'll have a move of God. There's got to be some people that will be stirred that will go after God with me and seek him until he comes. Seek him until he comes and rains righteousness upon us. Some folks are to say, we're not here for our for our physical health. Well, maybe we are. We're not here for our looks. There it is. We're here because we're hungry for a move of God. I've got a little time left. That food distribution that we believe we're going to have ready, wherever y'all at, come January or so, I'm believing wherever we do it at, that they're going to pull in thinking they're getting food. They ain't going to know. Bunch of Pentecostal folks been praying and speaking in tongues over all this food. The moment it hits their car, they just go weeping and squalling. If they ain't saved, they want to get saved. If they are saved, the Holy Ghost. How many of you know God can do that? These babies that are coming on Wednesday nights, I'm believing the Lord's going to touch those babies. Ah. The testimonies that I heard, those survivors, they were children that were touched. You know what they said? And don't anybody take this the wrong way, okay? Especially if you've got a small one in here. But they said that the children, there wasn't a peep out of the children during the services. The babies wouldn't cry during the services. Not because mom and daddy was sitting there with a switch or whatever, but because the Holy Spirit was moving so powerfully that even the children were being touched and the children were being ministered to. And this woman that was a survivor was a testimony of that. How many of you know if the Lord tarries, which I believe we're living on the brink of the rapture, and he could be, he, be, he may come before this service 
is over. That's why we ain't got time to play games. I believe we're living on the brink of the rapture. Jesus is about to return for his bride. The work that he's given us to do, we better do it with all of our heart, mind, and soul and strength. I want to say this to you. If you're hungry for God, it's time you go after him. Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 7, he said this, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. In the book of Jeremiah chapter 29, the prophet said of the words of the Lord, he said, Seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I want to know today, is there anybody in this place that will say, I want more of God in my life. I need more of him in my life. I need more of him in my marriage. I need more of him in my home. I need more of him in my family. I've got to have more of God. Well, Pastor, I'm just so busy working, it consumes so much time, and you're too busy. I'm going to tell you something. You get to the end of your life, and you look back at it, the Lord tarries that long. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. All this work that you've been doing just to pay the bills, which we have to do, we understand that. But all this work that you've been doing to pay the bills, your family may look at you and say you were a good provider. But if you haven't led them with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life, you are missing the mark. I know some, some may not want to hear that, but I'm just trying to tell you the truth. Daddies, it's time you get so full of the Holy Ghost that walking down the hallway, the Lord can speak to you about what's going on in your children's bedroom with the door closed. Are you hearing me? Mamas, it's time you get so full of the Holy Ghost that the Lord to drop a nugget in your spirit and you can call things out that you had no clue about. Are you hearing me? It's time we get so full of the Holy Ghost that everywhere we go we're touching the hearts and lives of people. Not because we're beating them over the head with our Bible. Not because we're inviting them to church. But because the Holy Ghost is magnifying the Jesus that is alive inside of us and we're so full of His power and anointing and hearts and lives are being touched touched and changed. We need a 312 Azusa at 1611 Pirate Cove in 1488 Highway 90. Are you hearing me? A 312 Azusa. Listen, if there's sin in your life, you need to repent of it. Get it under the blood. Don't, don't expect the Holy Spirit to be poured out on you when there's sin in your life. That's what sanctification is. Get it under the blood. Are you hearing me? There's things you need to repent over. That's what this altar's for. If you're living in sin, you need to give your heart to Jesus. There's no daylight today. If you're backslidden and away from God, it's time to come to Him. You're not promised tomorrow. James said, your life is but as a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. Get it under the blood. Get your heart right with the Lord. If you are saved today, you're a born-again believer, there's no excuse for you being dry and dead. When there is a spout, you can get under 
thunder, a spout where the glory comes out. Are you hearing me? God, help us that over our spiritual houses, it's not written to Ichabod where the glory is departed. God wants to bring a revival to his people today and to cause us to love those that don't like us or even hate us. A revival to his people today that we can have a joy in our hearts despite our circumstances. A peace in our soul despite the storm. Oh, a victory in our lives regardless of what we're facing. He wants to send a revival of Holy Ghost power. Is there anybody that is hungry for the Holy Ghost? Come on, musicians, run up here, run up here. Singers, run up here, run up here. You've been in it all your life. Ain't time to retire. It's time to refire. It's time to refire. What's that mean? Getting lit again. <laughs> and I ain't talking about like you used to get lit, Brother Alvy. <laughs> I'm talking about getting lit in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Getting lit in the Holy Ghost. Are you? Oh, I like that. Uh, what's wrong with he getting lit? He's lit in the Holy Ghost. He seems drunk. He is. He's drunk. <laughs> I'll never forget when I first started dating Sister Amy, they was talking about somebody being drunker than Cooter Brown. And I said, who in the world is Cooter Brown? I've never heard of him in my life. But can I tell you that God the Holy Ghost wants to move in this place? If you need him, he wants to pour out in your life. Are you hearing me? That was the promise of the prophet Joel. Peter stood up on that day of Pentecost and said, These aren't drunk as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Can we declare today that the Holy Ghost is still moving? The Holy Ghost is still baptizing. The Holy Ghost is still working. Because he's working right here he's working right here well I'm just kind of worried about what it will be like can you imagine somebody saying I want to give you a million dollars and I want you to take it to the bank and deposit it can you imagine somebody saying Oh, but I'm just kind of worried what it would be like taking a million dollars to the bank. What people will think, what people will say. Well, that sounded real sissy, didn't it? <laughs> How many of you know what most folks would be like, give it to me. I don't care what anybody thinks about it. I'm going to shout all the way to the bank. I'm going to walk in that bank saying, woo-hoo, look what I got. I'd go up to that teller line. I'd say a hundred for you, a hundred for you, a hundred for you, hundreds for everybody. Why? Because you get excited about something like that. But I've come to tell you, there's something greater than a million dollars that the Lord wants to give you that'll take you all the way through this life, that'll help you, that'll encourage you, that'll give you victory, that'll make you an overcomer. There's an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 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 Oh. Somebody stand up on your feet and give the Lord a praise. Give him a praise. Give him a praise. Give him a praise.
ain't going to drag this out. You're either hungry for the Holy Ghost or you ain't. If you're hungry for God, I'm not talking about I got this need. I got this need. I'm talking about are you hungry for the Holy Ghost? Are you hungry for a move of God in your life? If you are, get out from where you're standing right now and don't walk. Run down to this altar with hands raised. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people. Crosspoint can now be your home church from wherever you are through the weekly live stream on Facebook and YouTube and this podcast. For more information on Crosspoint, be sure to check out crosspointpdl.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next week.